chapter nineteen of the subjection of isabel carnaby this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox org the subjection of isabel carnaby by ellen thorny croft fowler chapter nineteen what happened in paris the gaythornes were abroad for the best part of a month and did not come back until the leafy month of june was decidedly passe charlie would have liked to stay away still longer but fabia was so tired of the solitude a deux that she insisted on bringing their stay in paris to a close as they had seen but few people whom she knew and none who amused her it was a noteworthy fact and one which set the tongues of gossip wagging faster than ever that dr mukharjee left town when the gaythornes did and did not come back to his flat until after their return thus proving conclusively to all the scandal-mongers interested in the matter that his object in coming to london was not to tell fortunes of ladies in general but to have the spending of fabias in particular not to divulge the futures of his numerous clientele but to destroy that of mrs charles gaythorne on the evening of their return charlie and his wife were dining in their own house in town old mrs gaythorne having foregone a meeting for the abolition of tin fruits among the inhabitants of the cannibal islands in order to sit at meat with her son and daughter-in-law and welcome them back to their native shores when dessert was on the table and the servants had left the room fabia suddenly interrupted the stream of unmemorable conversation which had flowed intermittently during dinner by saying whom do you think we saw in paris mrs gaythorne somebody who had better have stayed at home in a protestant country than gone wandering off among papists and worse than papists mrs gaythorne was very fond of the expression papists and worse than papists but it was a mere figure of speech according to the good lady's ideas the latter class of persons thus indicated were as chimerical as the anthropophagi and the men whose heads do grow beneath their shoulders we saw gabriel carr said fabia quietly the bomb-shell took full effect mrs gaythorne fairly bounced in her chair i cannot believe it she exclaimed surely you are trifling with me no i am not i only wish for janet's sake that i were charles is this true asked mrs gaythorne turning for confirmation to that son whom she had never known from his childhood to tell a lie yes mother as true as gospel as fabia says i wish to goodness that it wasn't for poor little janet's sake but it is worse luck describe the circumstances was mrs gaythorne's next command tell mother all about it 
said charlie to his wife you're such a much better hand at reeling off a yarn than i am fabia thus adjured began when we were in paris we often went to the theatre as we found it so very dull in our own sitting-room at the hotel which you ought not to have done her mother-in-law interrupted her mr gaythorne and i never found it dull wherever we were i had my committees as perennial sources of interest and he had me mrs gaythorne when referring to herself always emphasized the personal pronoun as if the other cases as well as the nominative began with a capital letter of course but charlie and i are different replied fabia sweetly as indeed they were mr gaythorne wisely allowed his wife to enjoy herself in her own way but unfortunately his son does not follow his example we will leave mr gaythorne for the present and return to gabriel carr where did you see him and what did he say and what excuse did he give for his extraordinary behaviour mrs gaythorne practised to the full the art of keeping to the point well continued fabia one night when we were in a theatre whom should we see in a box opposite to us but gabriel carr at a theatre and a french theatre too and he a clergyman in fact my clergyman i cannot believe it you must have been mistaken but unfortunately we were nothing of the kind said charlie i saw him as plainly as i see you now but he was aged a bit i admit as the sort of life he is leading leaves its mark on a man don't you know i know nothing of the kind fabia proceed with your narrative as charlie says he was aged and he had a worn and dissipated look but we both recognised him in an instant and though he looked older he was just as handsome as ever handsome is as handsome does and therefore i cannot call any man handsome who deserts his wife on his honeymoon and then hides himself behind the scarlet woman in the city of babylon remarked mrs gaythorne not without some reason on her side he didn't behave handsomely i admit but he is a jolly good-looking fellow all the same and always will be said charlie echoing both his wife and his mother as usual but never mind his looks fire away with the story there's a good girl the moment we saw and recognised him i told charlie to go round at once and speak to him and find out what had happened which i did in pretty quick time supplemented captain gaythorne as i was afraid he would cut and run as soon as he recognised us and i wanted to collar him before he'd got the chance was he alone inquired mrs gaythorne charlie looked confused well not exactly alone i mean i can't precisely say that he was alone don't you know then who was accompanying him 
still charlie stammered and fabia looked on in silent amusement and in mute protest against the unsuccessful old custom of bowdlerizing for the benefit of the in-laws she was sick of her husband's attempt to re-edit her for the perusal of mrs gaythorne and she enjoyed his difficult and futile endeavour to perform a like office on behalf of gabriel carr well mother don't you see i can't exactly it wasn't anybody you'd know don't you know and it hasn't anything to do with the point of the story charles do not prevaricate it is a pernicious habit only one step removed from actual lying tell me at once who was with gabriel carr it was i don't exactly know and i couldn't exactly say don't you know i conclude it was a brother clergyman who had been also led away by ritualism into papistry and you are trying to screen him from me good heavens no it wasn't anybody of that kind i can swear charlie hastened to asseverate while fabia stifled a laugh a new idea replete with horror seized mrs gaythorne was gabriel dressed like a monk i should like to know great scott no mother what questions you do ask he was not even dressed as a parson mrs gaythorne looked mollified i am relieved to hear it i was afraid the poor misguided young man might have been trapped into a monastery but that is enough subterfuge it is no use trying to screen him from me if it was not a romish priest or a monk who was it fabia was enjoying herself immensely and she would have died sooner than respond to the constant appealing glances which her husband threw to her for help so she held her peace and let him flounder on well you see mother i don't like to tell you such things and it really isn't any business of ours but it was it was well it was a woman don't you know a nun you don't mean to say he was with a nun almost shrieked mrs gaythorne great scott no far from it charlie ejaculated while fabia who could not stifle her mirth any longer laughed outright again mrs gaythorne looked mollified things after all were not as bad as they might have been then if it was not a nun for which i am devoutly thankful what sort of a woman was it well mother it was it was it was well not quite a proper sort of woman don't you know then at last mrs gaythorne understood oh dear 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 she exclaimed how very very shocking but it must be admitted that the anguish in her voice was less poignant than when she had asked whether it was a monk or a nun in her eyes it was less heinous to offend against the decalogue than against the westminster confession like many another devout christian she was more lenient towards actual sins than towards saintship which took another line from her own 
gabriel did not see us as soon as we saw him said fabia taking up the thread of her narrative again so charlie went round to his box and knocked at the door it was a pity that i was not there as i should have gone too of course you could not go in the circumstances my dear considering the sort of person that gabriel had with him but a woman of my age can go anywhere and do anything proceed with the narrative charlie must tell now as this is his part of the story charlie as was his wont meekly obeyed well when i knocked at the door carr opened it and didn't recognize me for a second as i'd got my back to the light so i said hello carr i've found you at last i think it's time you gave some account of yourself i didn't speak as strongly as i felt by a long shot as i didn't want a row in the theatre if i'd done as i wanted i should have knocked the fellow down then and there then charles i am thankful that for once you controlled your inclinations it would have distressed me for my son to be involved in a vulgar brawl especially in such a wicked place as paris well mother anyhow i did control myself and that is what makes what happened next all the more rummy the moment i had spoken though i tell you i was as mealy-mouthed as i could induce myself to be when speaking to such a cad carr turned as white as a sheet with such a look of sheer fright in his eyes as i've never seen except on the faces of recruits in their first engagement before the poor beggars had got seasoned to being under fire and then before you could have said knife he dashed past me and ran for his life down the corridor and was out of the building before i knew what he was up to by jove i never saw a fellow in such a blue funk in my life before it was a rummy go altogether mrs gaythorne gasped and then shook her head reprovingly charles you should have stopped him you should not have allowed him to escape before he had given some explanation of his extraordinary conduct and sent some sort of message to janet i tell you mother i couldn't help myself the brute was out of sight before i knew what he was doing if i'd been there i should have stopped him you couldn't mother i swear besides who'd have expected an english gentleman whatever he'd done to turn tail and run away like a frightened skunk there is nothing that i do not expect from misguided persons who are in secret league with the jesuits well anyhow i couldn't stop the beggar and i didn't it was a great pity that i was not with you i should have stopped him and should have insisted upon an explanation then and there i did ask the woman who was with him where i could find him continued charlie but she refused to tell me anything about him he'd evidently given her his orders that the word was mum as far as he was concerned but i could see that she knew a precious sight more than she chose to tell if i'd been there i should have insisted upon her telling persisted mrs gaythorne who for ever afterwards was rooted and grounded in the belief that had she been present on that memorable occasion much further sorrow and suffering would have been avoided 
the extreme unlikelihood of her presence in such circumstances considering that nothing would induce her ever to enter either a theatre or a roman catholic country did not seem to occur to her and in some feminine and recondite manner she contrived to lay all the blame of her absence upon her son's devoted shoulders the whole affair upset me most tremendously i can tell you continued charley i always thought carr such a ripping fine fellow a really good chap with no humbug about him but as straight as they make em and then to find him turn out like this well it seems to shake a fellow's belief in everything tears came into mrs gaythorne's eyes and began to course slowly down her weather-beaten cheeks that is what makes any sort of wrong-doing on the part of the clergy so very terrible she said sorrowfully it brings their high calling into disrepute and appears to give the lie to the truths which they have preached but it ought not to do so however sadly his servants may fall away from the holiness of their first estate and may do despite to their sacred profession the master is still the same yesterday to-day and for ever with him there is no variableness neither shadow of turning never forget that my son charley was touched and therefore shy and uncomfortable of course not mother of course not i shouldn't think of doing such a thing besides he added boyishly those of us who have good mothers don't want any parson to teach us about things the parsons may fail us but our mothers won't and we shan't go far wrong if we take our mother's love as a sort of sample of what god's love is like and depend on it just the same don't you know fabia was interested and puzzled what a strange and wonderful thing this christian religion was mrs gaythorne as a rule was a martha rather than a mary and busied herself with the practical side more than the spiritual side of religion but just now there was a look in her face which must compel awe and reverence in all who beheld it bobby had seen the same look in gabriel carr's face in london and at vernacre though not a trace of it in the parisian theatre she called it illumination and inspiration for want of a better name had she been brought up in the same school as mrs gaythorne she would have called it the indwelling of the spirit the three gaythornes talked over with one another the problem of gabriel and on the following day went and talked it all over again with the setons but they could none of them arrive at any satisfactory conclusion or see that anything more could be done after the encounter at the theatre captain gaythorne had explored paris for further traces of gabriel but in vain the latter had evidently taken fright at charley's recognition of him and had once again disappeared searching for him in paris was like looking in a bundle of hay for a needle endowed with the power of evading pursuit so as there was nothing further to be done they all agreed to do it then fabia did about the worst thing that she had ever done in her life it might not be as foolish as were her repeated visits to the flat in mount street but it was more evil in its essence 
since it was intended to do harm while the visits to mount street were only organized pour passer le temps and like the worst things that are done by the majority of us it had its origin in jealousy she went down for the day to gaythorne and told the full and complete history of the scene in paris to janet carr fabia was not only jealous because gabriel had rejected her and chosen janet although in spite of all that had happened she still hated her on that score the cause of the hatred might be over but the hatred itself remained since hate like love has a wonderful power of surviving its instigators her own love for gabriel had died a sudden death on that night in paris just at first when she saw him in the opposite box the sight of the man's physical beauty stirred the embers of her love into flames again she was always particularly sensitive to the influence of beauty but when she beheld across the theatre the pitiable exhibition of craven fear which the appearance of her husband produced her love was turned into loathing and contempt if there was one thing that she adored more than beauty it was strength strength as shown by physical courage for fabia was too elemental a woman to feel the fascination of moral excellencies and as she had first loved gabriel when he showed himself her master so she ceased to love him as soon as she believed him to be in terror of her husband but fabia had still further cause of jealousy of janet for in spite of all her sorrow and misery the supreme joy of motherhood was about to crown poor janet's life and to give her beauty for ashes the oil of joy for mourning and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness and again fabia's nature was too elemental for her not to be jealous of every woman to whom had been granted the happiness which she had hitherto been denied the culminating happiness of motherhood we shall all do well to remember that the unclean spirit which seeketh rest and findeth none and so returneth to the house whence he came taking with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself is nearly always the spirit of jealousy among all the evil demons there is none so clever as he in paving the way for his comrades and in opening doors for their ingress which but for him would have remained closed to them for ever so it came to pass that fabia went down to gaythorne on purpose to retail the miserable parisian episode to gabriel's wife janet heard her to the end with no sign of emotion save a somewhat heightened colour then when the wretched story was finished she quietly asked and why have you told me this mrs gaythorne because i thought you ought to know it fabia replied she had indeed managed to persuade herself that it was wrong to keep a person so deeply concerned in the matter as was janet in the dark with regard to the kind of life which her husband was apparently leading and that therefore it was the duty of janet's friends to enlighten her upon the point so specious are the arguments of the spirit of jealousy 
why janet never wasted words fabia was somewhat nonplussed oh because you are mr carr's wife and therefore his conduct affects you more than anybody else she lamely explained that was rather a reason for not telling me was the quiet reply fabia was silent for a moment she found the calm scorn in the hazel eyes decidedly uncomfortable then she said i should imagine now that you know what manner of man your husband is you will leave off hoping or even wishing for his return the hazel eyes flashed at last and you expect me to believe this tale you have come to tell me i fail to see how you can help believing it my husband is quite prepared to corroborate my statement that we both saw mr carr with our own eyes and although you may not think much of my accuracy everybody knows that captain gaythorne is a painfully truthful person and given that it is true what difference will that make what difference i do not know what you mean fabia gasped with astonishment it would have made all the difference in the world to her had she been in janet's place then the pent-up storm of janet's wrath broke i don't believe that what you tell me is true i can't believe it but even supposing that it were what is that to me does it make gabriel any the less my husband wherever he is and whatever he had done i am still his wife and he is my lord and master nothing can alter that i belong to him body and soul to do with as he pleases whenever he comes back he will find me waiting to welcome him home as if nothing had happened fabia was aghast i am at a loss to understand you she murmured janet laughed in her scorn you understand me of course you can't you who never loved anybody in the world but yourself how can you understand the mysterious unity of marriage gabriel and i are indissolubly one whatever happens nothing can put us asunder and even if it is true that he has sinned and suffered then he will need me more than he did when he was one of the saints of god and he will find me all the more ready to comfort and cherish him when he comes to himself do you remember the story of saint anne who after her husband had been stoned out of the synagogue received him with more love and reverence than she had ever shown him before and do you think that there are no st anne's to-day not perhaps of your world or in your circle but they exist all the same doubtless you will find plenty of people ready to help you in casting stones at my husband when he does come back but from me whom he has most wronged if he has wronged anybody he shall never hear a word of reproach but only words of love and of welcome and janet in the dignity of her outraged love flung back her head with such a queenly gesture that fabia stood before her cowed as she had once stood before janet's husband 
she said good-bye and got herself out of the room as best she could feeling for a second time in her life like a beaten cur and from that moment she liked and respected janet carr and felt that she would give the half of all that she possessed if only she could love any one as janet loved gabriel it is loving not being loved that makes a woman as a king's daughter all glorious within and clothes her spirit as with wrought gold in the kingdom of heaven they who love will always take precedence of them who only are beloved for with regard to spiritual as well as to material gifts it is ever more blessed to give than to receive End of chapter nineteen